safe in that department. Anyway, nice to have you company. Hello, <laughs> said the vicar. Sausages, I can't believe it. What, for the third day running? It's unbelievable. You look very, um, very crumpled. Crumpled? Crumpled. Is this, is this your linen look this morning? Not, this isn't linen. Oh, is it not? These are chinos. Oh, right. This is not velour tracksuits. I mean, for that we should be grateful. I went to the theatre last night, so well, I dressed it like that? Yeah. What was it? Was it a, a, on a run-down estate? Betty and Joan oh, at the that Arts Theatre. Oh, we like that. brilliant. I love the Arts Theatre. You should really go and see it. I really thought of you. I thought about you at the start, in the middle, at the end. The trouble is, it's it's difficult for me, because... What, what time did you finish? Yeah, no, it, it is. It's and about 10.15 finish. By the time I get home, that's 11.15. do a matinee. Well, I, I bet there's a matinee today you could get a ticket for. I can't do it today. Why? Because I've got things lined up. What have you got lined up? Well, I'm going to do Kim Cattrall when I've finished. Oh, are you? Yeah. Oh, I'm so jealous. Yeah, and um, loads of other celebrities. And, I've uh, interviewed her before, get... actually, in fairness, in fairness, you were having her after I've had her. Yes. Oh, you've already done her, have Oh, you? I've done her, yeah. Oh, right. What, 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 what programme was that? Uh, well, that was for my own programme when they flew me over to New York to, oh, right. uh, to uh, interview her. So, uh, oh, well, for, mm. your, for your own programme? Mm. Which, which programme? What was that? The... the... Christo <laughs> Fufa show. The Saturday night programme. Well, I don't uh, remember that one. Where, <laughs> which station was that? That was on this station. Oh, on this station. Oh, <laughs> yes, right. So there'll still be a copy of it somewhere <laughs> in the archives. <laughs> oh, she produced it, did she? Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. Doomed. Yeah, she did. I gave her her start in radio. Oh, really? Mm. Oh, right. Yeah. Did, did you take her over as well? Uh, no, I didn't. No, 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 no. no. Ah, I went right. myself. And... <laughs> And, How uh, funny. did it, yes. yes. But anyway, so, so you went to see this thing at the Arts Theatre, which is a lovely theatre. Um, I would use it. It's too small for me, though. It was brilliant, though. Oh. It was absolutely brilliant. It's, it's the relationship and, between... Um, Betty Davis and Joan Crawford. Mm. Because during, I think, whatever happened to Baby Jane, they really weren't talking. They absolutely, they absolutely loathed, loathed each, each other. other. But that did produce some of the best mm. lines. And uh, Joan Crawford, which I didn't realise at the time, actually sewed in heavy weight... Yes. into her dress, so that when Betty Davis had to pick her up, because Betty Davis had broken her back previously, yes. she wanted to hurt Betty Davis. Yeah. So then the next time when there was a scene where Betty Davis has to kick uh, Joan Crawford, and obviously she's supposed to stop before she makes contact, she makes full contact and completely kicks her. It's brilliant. I mean, I have to be honest, Joan Crawford was quite the most revolting mother in the world. Oh, really? She was quite dreadful. You ever read the book Mummy Dearest? Oh, no. Oh, uh, watch the film. Because she talks about the, uh, her children in, in She abused in the children. Oh, really? Because, uh, to, in fact, the, 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 uh, the book Mummy Dearest opens with the, the reading of the will, and to my daughter so-and-so... I leave nothing for reasons best known to themselves. Oh, because she was speaking about how she wants all her children to be perfect and that she's really striving oh, for them she to be had perfect. Oh, she had little identical outfits made for her and her daughter. Oh, right. So you had the mummy outfit and yeah. then the little version for the, for the kids. And it was all posed for Hollywood. Oh, really? I mean, she, that's why, whenever people went to see the film and it became a big cult, people took coat hangers because she beat the children with coat hangers. <sighs> she would drag them out of bed at two in the morning to scrub the floors oh, that's with awful. vim. Oh, she was quite vile. And, of course, I mean, she'd slept with everybody in Hollywood. Oh, yeah, that, that was... She Betty was the biggest Davis prostitute going. Talking about that Made, well. made porno films, mm. made porno films, and, um, Totally was proud of the use of the casting couch and yes. how, how well she'd used well, it. Well, she opened the door to Steven Spielberg, and she was wearing a see-through nightie because she wanted to sleep with every director. Unbelievable, wow. isn't it? James Whale is... Oh, you have to put your headphones on for this one. Sadly, as you can tell, he's in a wind tunnel again. Oh, dear. And he's, uh, he's heading off to... I don't, he's, he says he goes to Sky. But really? to be honest with you, I've turned on in the morning. Either Eamon Holmes has put on a lot of weight and you can't see the guests, or he's not going to Sky at all. Morning, James. Good morning, dears. <laughs> morning, James. It's been a while. How are you? Oh, 
Christo Full. Fufas is the word you're looking for, whale. Yes. It's lovely. It's, it's, it's like two-way family favourites. He's actually playing the part of Jean in Cyprus, and you're playing the part of Cliff in Hong Kong. <laughs> now, come in, Cliff in Hong Kong. A lot of listeners here in Cyprus <laughs> love to hear what you'd like to say to your fans. Morning. Yes. Good morning. So, where are you at this precise moment, just so we can alert the police? Okay, heading towards the uh, one and only service. No, how many? There's only they're, they're, they're building a new service on the uh, M25, but mm. I'm. Uh, I'm heading towards that one. There's always problems outside. It's running quite smoothly yeah. at the moment. Well, so it should be at ten past five in the morning. The M25's a nightmare. It is. It really is. Yeah. It's like the world's biggest car park. You sort of get onto it and you immediately slow down to 50 miles an hour, which my car finds impossible to do. <laughs> impossible. <laughs> I'll tell you why that is, actually. It's because idiots, usually travelling salesmen, change lanes all the time. Yes. If they mm. stayed in one lane... All the traffic would move. Well, yes. the, the Bentley doesn't actually... You can't actually steer it, can you? Can't you can't steer, it just, it just no, goes no, straight. it's a straight line. <laughs> it ploughs for everything. Yeah. But, he's, but he's quite right, people changing lanes. I was mm. in the traffic the other day, and this man in a blue car with a child in it was whizzing in and out of lanes and trying to jump in front of people That's because awful. he couldn't get through. And I thought, you're an idiot, mate. You are a complete and utter mm. idiot. Uh, I mean, I don't know why everybody isn't kept off the road except us. No, I, well, I totally agree. There should be an LBC lane. Yeah. You know, there's going to be an Olympic lane. They should have an LBC lane. What a marvellous no, no, idea. Seriously, for one moment, if the, if the authorities in Westminster can't get rid of those third-world rickshaws, what hope is there for the rest of us? Yes, no, I agree. This morning, they're all up there, all unlicensed, mm. most of them cheating on benefits and thieving the country. They're absolutely the worst people under the sun. Most of them shouldn't even be in the country. Let's get it all off our chest straight away. Benefit fraudsters to a man and woman. They, they drive the wrong way up a one-way street. They cheat tourists and rob them. They're, they're vile people. I, I would take a machine gun to them this morning. Are we, are we still on the air? I was just checking. I, I think that's slightly over the top, Steve, but not Yes, yes, nothing no at all. Insurance. No insurance. And secondly, do you know what they've started doing now? Ooh. What? They've started putting boom boxes on the back and playing loud music all the time. Oh, well, I'd drive into the back of them, I'm afraid. That'd be the sort of person I am. <laughs> you can't say that! <laughs> well, I would. Also, listen, they're not licensed for being on the streets. They're not licensed for being... On the... Why is it that the, the government in London clamped down on illegal minicabs and they've not sorted those out because they're all up by uh, Mahiki and all mm. the rest of it, illegal people up there touting, and yet they can't get rid of these vile, filthy little rickshaws. Yeah. They're not nice. I love that question of the person in charge, and the person in charge, who I won't mention, said, we're trying to work out a way to do it. Oh, it's pathetic. It's I pathetic. Know, I, I have been done for the second time waiting on a, on a, outside around Leicester Square to pick uh, Mrs. Whale up. I've been done for the second time mm. for yeah. waiting you know, from one of those ridiculous cameras. Yes, yes. I'm getting fed up with it. Well, I'm in fact, there is. I know. I mean, James, I'll leave it there because you're sort of cracking up a little bit. Well, so, I've been doing that for years. I know, though. love. I know. So we'll speak to you later. Bye. Bye. There's James. But he, he's it's, right. The reason I'm so anti the, these rickshaws is because if you have an accident with a car, you'll mm. get nothing. Nothing. Nothing at all. Because they're not insured. The driver, you'll never trace because all they'll do is run off. They're a bit like the hot dog sellers. 
They're, they're, they're mm. degenerates. They shouldn't be allowed anywhere near them. But we seem to allow it in this there country. There isn't room on the road. That's the problem. But it? why is it in any other... There's a couple in, in Dubai, I think, who've just been done by the court over there for having three in a bed... Okay. Sorry, I can barely bring myself to say it. And and the court over there have gone, I'm sorry, this is sex outside marriage. You're going to prison and for a month. And you're in Dubai. This is what happens in Dubai. Yes, you're, going to you're in Dubai. You're going to prison. OK, so they've sent these two women and this bloke to prison for a month each. Then they'll be deported. Over here, we had a bloke the other day, a Roma gypsy, who's 17, who robs people at cash points. Now, she knows about being robbed at a cash point. Mm. He's got 43 convictions and all they've done is just gone... Well, there's not really a lot. His, his family have, have on benefits. Have a council flat. He's, he has got a council flat. <laughs> right. He's on benefits. And every time he has a conviction, he goes out and robs again. Don't, and tell, I'm me, thinking, don't, don't tell me he's got a blue badge. Well, he might have one. <laughs> Why don't we just kick him out? What are we wasting our time for? I find it absolutely unbelievable. We had a man the other day, murderer, a, mur- a convicted murderer in this country that can't do anything about him because his family are here. Oh, it's human rights. Human rights. Be- what a load of cobblers, ladies and gentlemen. What a load of old rubbish. It annoys me intensely <laughs> that we're such a pushover. In about five years' oh. time, we're going to be overrun by murderers, muggers and thieves, and you'll go outside your house armed with a submachine gun. <laughs> Would you like a cuddle? No, I don't want a cuddle. I thought it might. You, I don't want to cuddle Cheer you up. How would that cheer me up? Are you looking How a little would... bit stressed today? I'm not I'm stressed. I'm seeing crow's feet. I... <laughs> you better not be. I've got new eye cream on. <laughs> Have you? Yeah. Have you been using a bit of that new Ole stuff? Yes, I'm... No, not that one. It's another one which you put... I'm looking forward to getting the rollerball. Oh, really? Yeah. What's, what's that? Like That's a... the same. That's the eye gel they advertise on the telly. And it's... Yeah, apparently... It's, I mean, it's not, it's not great... Oh, I thought when you said a rollerball, what you meant was, you know, one of the things they used to to paint with. It's my eyes. Well, exactly. Yeah. You know. Oh, here we go. That's right. Start. Well, but sorry, I'm not the one Do who Lux. puts eye drops in. I'm not the one who puts eye drops in. I've got in. eye drops in because I have contact lenses and my eyes go a little bit dry and it gets a bit uncomfortable. Yeah, but unfortunately most of it is all over the it's desk. It's not on the desk. Don't shout. Don't take that attitude. It's been cleared up by the helper. It's not. That was not me. Yeah, right. nothing to do with me. Bad workman always blames his tools, doesn't he? <laughs> You are hopeless. <laughs> really hopeless. <laughs> <laughs> the drops went in my eye, not on the well, desk. Well, I don't know. Does it melt in your mouth, not in your hand? Does it go in my eye or on the desk? It went on the desk. OK. Oh, but I, I'm delighted to say, it, do you know, it rained yesterday. Like, there was no tomorrow. We're out and we're doing a short walk because Graham was a bit <laughs> stressed over a phone call he'd had. And, we've got, and then it hammered down. Oh, really? Did you get wet? Well, I did. I had an umbrella with me. Oh. I always carry an umbrella. share your umbrella with you? No, he had his own umbrella. Oh. Yeah. But, uh, you wouldn't share an umbrella with someone. You wouldn't like that, would you? I don't do sharing No, umbrellas. I didn't think so. I could no. imagine that if, no. you know, you... I'm more than happy to see somebody getting drenched. <laughs> you let and me I stand be a drowned rat rather than share your oh, umbrella absolutely. with me, Oh, absolutely. I would you? leave you standing there. Yeah. It would be like, you know, me, you and a monsoon. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I wouldn't share the umbrella, no matter how much you tried to grab it out of my hand. No. Well, that's, I can't. Kindness. I can't, because luckily there's enough of you that the water would bounce <laughs> off, wouldn't it? You're a bit like a small prefab, <laughs> all by yourself. The fact you've called me a small prefab, I take it as a compliment, and I, I love you for getting. it, so thank you. <laughs> right. Anyway, lovely to see you. So lovely to see you. I so love your theatre outfit. It's really lovely to work with you on a daily basis. Yes. If only the same could be said the other way round. <laughs> I cannot reciprocate. You wouldn't do me a favour, though, before you go. I know it's an awfully big favour, but I've given you two strawberries. Could you get me a coffee? Get you a coffee? Oh, don't. Oh, I wish I'd not asked. Okay. Oh, go on then. I'll, oh. get, no, I'll get you a coffee. I gave you two. Like from the machine. Yeah, I gave you two big strawberries. It's got I cups know you out gave there. Me two big strawberries. I'll just have a cappuccino, thank you. A, a cappuccino? Yes. From the a, machine? Yes. Do you want any sugar in it? No, I'm diabetic. Well, let I me want pop any sugar. I'll put three in there then. Yeah, okay. Four will be fine. <laughs>
Still bitter, you see. There's me being all charitable and saying, would you like some of my strawberries? And immediately I get this backlash. Would you, you know, I've never asked in all my career, could you go and get me a cup of coffee? And I knew, oh, dear. Well, I asked you, but that's different. You're sitting there twiddling your thumbs, trying to remember who we're going to phone at half past. And I've reminded her now, we did it at five. I bet you anything, she'll have forgotten in 12 minutes. Bet I'll put a pound on it, OK, this morning. 16 past five. These are the headlines. The military operation in Libya has cost around a quarter of a billion pounds so far. That's what the Ministry of Defence are expected to reveal later. It comes as the US President confirms 10,000 US troops will come home from Afghanistan by the end of this year, 33,000 by next summer. Single mums across London are likely to be worst hit by all the cuts to benefits and tax rises. A report says they'll lose an average 8.5% of the cash they take home by 2015. The figure's less for couples with children. And at Wimbledon, Andy Murray's not in action today. The uh, 17-year-old British star Laura Robson is, though. She faces former world number one Maria Sharapova in the second round. Check on the roads for you this morning. We always get you there nice and quickly. Best, quickest possible way, Jay Louise. Thank you, Steve. Good morning. Starting with the northbound... 5.20 is the time. Going now, is Good. that all right? Are you sure that's cappuccino? It's cappuccino. Very heavy. Well, it's, it's a big cappuccino. I actually stopped it putting any more in. Good, yeah. And, I, normally and have... I had to empty the drip tray because the machine wouldn't work oh, no, anymore, I so I had to then the balance day. it to the toilet. It... <laughs> I'll just I empty did. it into the bin. You can't empty it into the bin. It was full of water. That's what I do. I empty the bin. Underneath the... Open the drawer underneath the machine. Oh. There's a big bucket. Oh, well, I carried it into the loo. <laughs> and then I had to try and negotiate opening... The loo is a pull door, so I was holding it against no, me. No, that's why you open that drawer underneath the machine and there's a big bucket there. I'm not... I'm not well-versed with coffee machine well, you maintenance. you are now. Now Apologies. I've told you. You better get it on a regular basis, won't you, for us? Should be quite nice. Hello now. Anything else? I don't Enjoy know. I'd... to run a J-cloth around the place. But, you know, that's not a bad idea, actually. I mean, it's supposed to be this studio left in, in the manner to yes, which it's that's it was... only for the talent. Oh, right. OK. Bye. 34 years and still going strong. <laughs> you know, honestly, all that for a cup of coffee. You'd never believe it, would you? Uh, they say, says Noreen, we're going to have nice weather at the weekend. We want to go to Brighton in the next few days. We can get there directly from St Albans. The, the weather forecast is not great for the weekend. I remember reading it the other day. In fact, I can tell you... I'll tell you for today, if I'll do it actually, occasional sunshine today, showers developing, some heavy this afternoon. Uh, pollen count, again, high. Not good, is it? Uh, tonight, showers dying out. Tomorrow, bright start, few scattered light showers becoming more cloudy. Saturday, cloudy skies and some rain. Sunday, sunshine and humid. And Monday, thundery showers again. So, uh, not particularly good. Not particularly good. So, but, I mean, it doesn't... Do you know, to be honest with you, in Brighton, it doesn't really matter. You can go on the pier, you can have a cup of tea, as long as you take an umbrella and a Mac or something like that, it's, uh, it's OK. And she says, uh, love to, to Mr Chaz. This is, uh, this is our man in uh, Cyprus's dog. Uh, we'll talk to Roger Foss later on, because he went to see Michael Ball at the Royal Albert Hall, stormed it. He went to see uh, Tom Stoppard's Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead at the Haymarket, directed by Trevor Nunn. And guess who uh, was sitting right behind Nancy Delusional? Roger Foss. He said, looking at the back of her neck was far more interesting than the play, I'm afraid. Mind you, I never thought the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern were dead was very interesting anyway. And he said, I did see the flying Karamazov brothers at the Vaudeville and the Royal of Grease Paint smell of the crowd off West End at the Finborough. So we'll talk to Roger a little bit later on, if we remember. Uh, coming up as well with Nick Ferrari at seven. Chris Roberts, broadcaster, will be uh, going through the papers. Does it matter if pupils don't speak English as a first language? Uh, no, says the chairman of the Campaign for Real Education. And yes, says Catherine uh, Bebel-Singh, 
who's setting up a free school in Lambeth. Well, of course it matters if people speak it. We're in England. Of course it matters. What would be the point? What would be the point of having an English... I mean, surely... I mean, I do worry that you do hear so many people that don't speak English and their children don't speak English. So it doesn't, doesn't really help, I'm afraid, does it? It depends what, what, what business you're going to go into. Uh, plus, uh, Arwen Thomas has won his tribunal, although they did say that there was part blame there. And should adults be banned from smoking in cars with children? The answer is you'll never enforce that in a million years. How will you stop it? If people want to smoke in cars, they're going to do it. And I do see people with babies in carry cots with all the windows up and the fag on. You know, mum's pushing pushchairs, fag in one hand, mobile phone in the other. You see that all the time. And, uh, and the kids will grow up. We're going to have a nation of sort of alcoholic, wheezing, coughing kids, I think. Uh, papers this morning. Brucey turned up at Wimbledon. Good game, good game. And the crowd, because he turned up and, uh, in the Royal Box. Camilla was in there as well, and she, she clapped him as well, and the crowd loved seeing him. He loved it. He loves it. At least he didn't sing. And he didn't do his, you know... <laughs> Life is the name of the game. I want to play the game with you. Uh, a simple way for people to stay slim without counting the calories has been discovered. Has Christo read this? Does he know that this story is on the front of the Express today? Researchers say instead of worrying about the amount of food we eat, we should concentrate on the quality. Well, I've always said it's quality. It's no good eating crap food like kebabs, like burgers, like chicken, like. I'm trying to think of anything else. There's pizzas, uh, chips, um. Pita bread, anything like this. Pita bread is the fattest thing you can ever, ever eat. No, it's fat. It's full of fat. Have you seen how they make pita bread? God, dear, I'll tell her, go and buy a packet today and show you what 38 grams of fat looks like. Pita bread. I used to eat pita bread until I looked at it thinking, bloody hell, not eating that again. It's fat. She thinks the word brown means it's okay. She thinks if it says light on something, it means it's healthy. Yes, you do so. She eats gojo berries and all that kind of stuff. Sandal wearing, hippie. I got the gojo berries because I bought them thinking that's what hippies eat. And uh, so she's quite, so she got quite excited. Gojo berries. So she's read all the, all the th- stuff on there, so she's quite happy with that one. Uh, Galliano's up in court, isn't he? I can't recall the racist rant, he says, as he admits addictions. Uh, the trouble is, I think, you know, with substances and alcohol, and what amazed me was, and not, well, not, it did amaze me actually, how fast Dior acted. This hit the papers, bang, he was out. They didn't waste any time at all. And they say because, well, he says because he'd had a cocktail of uh, drugs and drink, it affected him. And so he then made these vicious anti-Semitic attacks in this Paris bar. The trouble is, it's, I don't think it's an excuse anymore to say that because I was on a cocktail of drink and drugs, it's, it's the thing that exonerates you. Amazing. And what amazes me more is how many people are on drugs nowadays. They were, st- they were stopping a guy at the airport. They did this programme and it's called sniffer dogs or something like that whatever it is they have a dog that is trained to sniff out money i mean i cannot go through this airport i'd be forever sitting there with a dog in front of me you know have you got money on you yes how much money quite a bit and this dog is is trained to sit in front of people so it sits in front of this guy and and then it starts jumping up at him it's quite excited and the the uh, the customs men say we've never actually seen him behave like this at all turns out the guy's got ten thousand pounds in cash on him he uh, he's he's going from here and he's going to trinidad and he's going to buy a car he says a renault blinged up now of course what customs see is that this man has got this money illegally he can't prove where it came from he says it's a bank loan and he pays £500 a month. So they go, so you're going all the way to Trinidad with £10,000 in cash to buy a Renault 
when you can buy a Renault over here? And, of course, none of it added up, and the guy was, you know, making all sorts of claims, yeah, you just stopped me because of this and that. In the end, the customs said, listen, we're confiscating the money, and you're not getting it back, but you can, you can go on to, on your holiday in Trinidad. So after ranting and raving, he got on the flight. When he came back, he tried to get his money back, and the end result was they didn't give him his money back because they then had deduced that it was from the proceeds of crime. That's what people do. They have crime. They take the money out the country. Another guy got stopped. The dog went ballistic. £30,000 in cash. It's amazing how many people take cash out. And, uh, and he, they, they immediately thought, drugs money. That's what they automatically think. If somebody's got a lot of money, it's, it's illegal somewhere because you take a credit card because it's too dangerous to travel with cash. It turned out he'd won it in a poker tournament. And he said, I was really sick, he said, because had I carried on playing, a guy who was sitting next to me won £906,000. And I thought, oh, how fantastic would that be? 906000 I mean, you could be very happy with that. I'd be happy with 30000 I think the uh, Euro Millions is up to £105 million. I mean, you know, for all those people who go, it's too much for one person, I'll prove you wrong. It's absolutely not too much for one person. You can, you've got the good you can do with that. The good you can do with that. I've often thought, though, I quite fancy being a customs officer for the day. Because there's apparently that there is a trick to spotting people who they think are carrying drugs. Whereas I can spot shoplifters. I'd be really, really good at doing druggies. I'd be very good at those sort of people. Because they, they sort of bring them in. They had one guy who came in. I'll tell you the story in a minute. Because when, when they uncovered how, many, how much drugs he had with him, his, uh, his fate was kind of sealed, I'm afraid. LBC 97... Morning, you're really nice to be company. Welcome to Thursday morning. All good news is, ladies, George Clooney has split up with his girlfriend. Hey, back on the market again. Hey, woo, 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 woo. And the reason is, apparently, a couple of days ago, she mentioned marriage and children. And, of course, as anybody would tell you, George Clooney, don't do marriage. He's not remotely interested. The moment somebody starts making nesting noises, he's off. He's off completely. So, um, he, uh, <laughs> so he's back on the market again. Funny, isn't it? Uh, Brucey at Wimbledon. Oh, thank you. And uh, he looks very happy there, actually. Very happy. Isn't it funny when, when the fact that George Clooney goes single, it makes the papers. They go, gorgeous George announces he's a single man again. Isn't that funny? Here's a picture of um, Jerry Halliwell. They say she may be the perfect ten, but apparently the vast majority of British women do not feel they are bikini ready. They've got a picture of her in a bikini, and the reason is she's launching a bikini range. They were telling me next she designed it. And uh, Poirot has collected a CBE, and a lot of uh, revellers were greeted by thick mud at the start of Glastonbury. I know that Jane Milligan has gone. She's an old hippie at heart. She loves going there. But they were absolutely covered in it. And it's, it's probably OK, isn't it? You know, if you want to go to Glastonbury, it doesn't appeal to me in the slightest. It, I cannot think of anything worse than Glastonbury. The idea of trudging around in a field with a load of mud, I'm afraid, don't appeal. Watch it on the television, by all means. But mud everywhere, no thank you. Where would the Bentley be parked? I mean, it's ridiculous. You're in a field with a load of other people in tents, and apparently people get their tents pinched. Some people deliberately turn up there, climb over the, the fencing and steal people's tents. I mean, how desperate do you have to be to steal a tent, for God's sake? Ridiculous. Anyway, here he is, my man in Cyprus. Good morning, Nathan Morley. Good morning, Steve Allen. How bizarre. You should be talking about Glastonbury. Yeah. Because I had this very conversation the other day. And I said the one reason I would not go, because one of my colleagues is... 
Can you imagine using one of these toilets with people queuing up oh, and no. there's these stinky little toilets? No. Oh, the smells and the sounds and the muck and, oh. Oh, no. I've seen people queuing for them. I think this year they, they brought in loads more toilets, but even so... I just, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't go. I'd have to have a Winnebago with its uh, own private toilet. I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go. I wouldn't want the dirt. I couldn't be able to wash my hands or, or mm. oh, I'd just, oh, it'd be just, oh, just imagine the smell. <laughs> and also, and, and, and they don't allow you to take certain things in, like water and stuff like that. I think you have to... an aeroplane? Well, no, because they sell water, so they, they don't want you to take loads of, it's all very bizarre. I think people in the past have had water confiscated, which seems Um, pointless because it's so muddy, you're going to use it for washing, aren't you? Of course. Who comes up with these these ideas? The person who owns the water concession, I should imagine. Yeah, well, I just... Oh, it makes (laughs) me so angry, these these silly, petty little uh, rules to make a few bob more. You can't take him. But they must make a fortune. I mean, can you imagine if you had one of the food concessions... How much you could make if you were doing now, hot dogs and hamburgers yeah. and chips and the usual sort of yeah. crummy stuff that you get? Yeah, yeah. I, I, well, I'd, 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 I think I'd want the toilet concession. <laughs> yes, yes, provided people... Were, I would actually have a posh toilet and shower section. Oh, well, that's a, you, you know, that's not a bad idea. Imagine if in that muddy field at Glastonbury, you had a corner and it was called the ultra-clean VIP toilet yes. at five quid a go. Yes, and you can have a shower or a bath... Yes. Like yeah. they used to have in London, if you watch the film Quadrophenia, there was an yeah. old bathhouse that they used, which was, I think, uh, in the East End. There was one in Ealing as well, where you went in and you paid your shilling, yeah. and, and they said, bathroom three, and you went in there, and a handle was pulled outside, and it filled your bath up, and you had a bath. Because yeah. nobody had yeah. bathrooms. Well, it's such a great idea. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the Victorians had it all sorted out, you see. Uh, there was a lot to be said for mass poverty. But, yes, I um, agree. Uh, Amanda know, says I she think... worked in a burger van at Glastonbury once. Who did? Amanda. Uh, well, Amanda? Yeah. Uh, that would have been a... a, a, a <laughs> someone saying... <laughs> um, uh, tell us about the hygiene, Amanda. Put the microphone on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't think there was any hygiene. It was just a case yeah. of, let's turn out burgers as fast as you can. And she did a play there one year. Oh, crikey, Riley. No. She's no, had a very strange you. life, actually. It's not Even a, as a young swings man, and roundabouts. I wouldn't have gone to it either. I wouldn't I have think. gone. Oh, I wouldn't. Steve Hargrave used to go, and he used to try and book into a hotel, or at least have a caravan to stay in, because I couldn't take a tent down and just just sleep on the ground. It's just horrible. No, 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 absolutely <laughs> not. I'm listening to all that noisy music. Oh, I mean, <laughs> not a decent carpenter's tune down there. At least this year, you're going to get the Wombles, so at least you're all right there. Oh, yes. That was, is that Mike back going down as well, is he? Yes, is he? yes. Uh, good God. When the and sun doesn't shine and it's cloudy and grey and it's <laughs> only the beginning of the wombling <laughs> day. <laughs> and, uh, oh, I tell you, they're... <laughs> everybody be singing. People pay for this, do they? Just remind me. What, for, for Glastonbury? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how much they pay. I don't know whether it's a very expensive ticket. I thought right. it was about £100 or something for the... 180 180 for the three days, I think, or two days, You're or whatever it is. You're kidding my leg. No, seriously. Oh, oh it's fi- people, five days. Need, <laughs> five it days. Just says, well, well, who would do that? Yeah. Uh, you need to get somebody on the line who's been there. Or is going there. No. I just ask them no, a Amanda's been there. She said, I mean, to be honest with you, 60,000 people... Uh, will be there. Well, they opened, uh, arrived yesterday. 170,000 tickets were sold. Uh, 170,000. At 100 and something pounds. And wow. you can't take your own water. Yeah, I mean, people seem to be laden down with everything going... I mean, I'd take the kitchen sink if I was going. Yeah. 
Yeah, but, and, you, uh, uh, and you talk about the credit crunch and austerity measures. It seems like Britain's sailing through all of this. Yes, I mean, it contrary does... to what you read in the papers, you would think so. <laughs> Every time I put the television on and watch British TV, you all seem to be having a super time. Yes, well, we are. <laughs> I think it's only the newspapers and the media that tell us we're not having a good time. I think I we're think having it, a fabulous I think you're right. time. <laughs> Because according to the paper today, you are happiest if you've got a car worth about 34000 your house right. is worth 250000 and you earn about 50000 And that, right. they say, is the peak of happiness for somebody in this country. Which newspaper does that come from? It or comes in I... all of them. Really? It's a survey that's been done to say that that's what... So, so happiness in this country is £50,000 <laughs> income, £34,000 car and £250,000 flat or house. That's interesting. Mm. I, I cannot imagine, and I did once toy with this uh, recently, in fact, we were talking about getting a, a new car. Uh, I cannot imagine spending over 15000 on a car. Oh, really? Oh. And the, well, this is, this is an island. It's a tiny island. I yes. mean, what are you going to do? You're not going to race down the autobahn, are you? I mean, you can get no. from one side to no. another. You can get a nice, a nice little car for about twelve to 15000 Yes, yes, I, I agree, you can. I, I wouldn't be driving it, but I'm sure you can get something. No, I know you wouldn't. The <laughs> other problem we have here is, of course, spare parts. You have to import things. Yes. If you get anything expensive or anything unusual, yeah. you'll spend half of your time importing. I mean, my friend's got a Mini, and she has a great deal of problems getting the parts for her Mini. Yes. Uh, yeah, they cost a fortune, because it's a, a British car. I do love driving, I have to be honest. I, I, I don't look on my car as a luxury. I just look on it as... You know, it, it might be classed as a, as a luxury car, but I didn't see it like that. I just saw it as a as a nice looking car, and 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 I liked it, and I saved up yeah, for but it. It's a gas that. guzzler, isn't it? Oh, absolutely! But I don't take it out every day, so I'm oh, I'm actually well, quite economical. Do you just motor up to the country on the weekend? No, sometimes I just push it out onto the road and then push it back <laughs> in again. Just... So what do you do? Have a set? Do you hire a garage for it, or do you have a garage on the property? No, 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 no. It's off street private parking. All right, okay. Uh, 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 covered parking, I assume. Uh, no, no. All right, okay. It's okay, in the elements. Really? Yeah. Well, you've got to watch your pain work. You've got to watch your pain work on these. No, days. it's it's absolutely fantastic. It's really yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I don't think I would like a Bentley, to be honest with you. I, it, just the thought mm. of going to the petrol... I mean, how much does it cost to fill it? Well, strangely enough, exactly the same as a BMW, a Range Rover, a Land Rover. They're all roughly the same size tanks. It, it costs exactly the same. So if, if, if I put 120 quid's worth in, you know, right. on average, I, I might do, you know, 40, 50 quid a week or something like that. I've got friends who've got cars which are smaller than mine, and they put more petrol in. Mm, yeah, Admittedly, I put about 100 in a week. 100 pounds? Uh, your Bentley wouldn't do any good here, you see. I, no. I travel about 500 miles a week. Yes, maybe it wouldn't more, be any good actually. to me at all. Uh, I'm putting 50, 60, 70 euros in. Yeah. Uh, now, everybody keeps telling me you get a Japanese car. Yes, I have to be honest, my, my parents had one. They bought a, a Mitsubishi Colt. Oh, I have one of those. Well, or rather, I should say the wife does. Yeah, it was so fantastic that the garage that sold them went out of business because nobody took them back. <laughs> because they were so good and they were so reliable. And my father was one of those people who swore blind he'd never have a German car or a Japanese car because people, <laughs> uh, unfortunately, didn't forget the war. And there was a generation who were brought up to say, I wouldn't have that, and had a Japanese car and loved it. Yeah, well, that's so funny because my wife has a Mitsubishi Colt, and uh, the the uh, the gear the gear stick is on the steering wheel, mm. and uh, it's it's a it's an automatic, 
Uh, the only problem I have when I take that out, it's a lovely little car, by the way, it is the, uh, this time of the year in Cyprus, air conditioners are on. They take so much power from the engine, mm. the air conditioners in the car, and so much fuel that you really have to double your costs. And I notice when I take the Mitsubishi out, this sounds like Top Gear, that, 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 <laughs> no, it that, that is very, very expensive. <laughs> it is expensive uh, to have air conditioning on, isn't it? It drinks petrol. Yeah. Yes, it does. It does. Uh, and and you mentioned Mercedes. I, I mean, I have a Mercedes. I would never buy another Mercedes again. I, I, you know, I'm not saying that it's some sort of outrageous point. I just find that if 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 you're living in Germany and you have one, it's fine. Mm. If you're in foreign countries and you have a Mercedes, foreign, I should say, places like this, having a Mercedes is an absolute nightmare. Yes. You know, uh, Vienna. All the uh, all the the taxis in Vienna are Mercedes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they don't look on it as the same sort of luxury car that we probably look on it as. I don't know if Mercedes can be considered luxury anymore, to really? be honest oh. with you. I no, it was. I don't think so. You can get a nice Merc for about 20 grand. Uh, would that come into the luxury? Isn't uh, it funny? Well, you know, we, we, we sort of bandy these figures around now. You say, you know, luxury for 20 grand. And uh, there'll be people listening going, 20,000 pounds? We went to the Essex show and they had a, um, uh, a Ranger over there, 76,000 pounds. <laughs> For seven, and it actually had the price on the windscreen in big letters, seventy-six thousand pounds. I thought, who has seventy-six thousand pounds? <laughs> <laughs> you can buy a Bentley for half of that. Yes, yes, you could. <laughs> it's it's only the running costs that determine what cars we end up buying. Anybody can afford to buy a Bentley or a Rolls, seriously, yeah. uh, provided you can afford to keep it running. No, you're right. That is the way I think now, and, and we're in the market for another car, and, and I'm getting rid of, of, of the Mercedes, and I said uh, the other day to, to her, who must be a pet, we're not having expensive things like this. Anymore. We can't afford the, the oh. petrol, and there's no need for it, you know, in this day and age. Get her on a bicycle. Get her on a bicycle. Well, look, I mean, she used to let me ride the moped around, but I'm not allowed to do that anymore. No, they're very dangerous. Because, because she said I'm an incompetent clown. On the road, oh, on the moped. Oh dear, that's a so, bit harsh, isn't it? Yeah, well, she. Oh no, she says it from the hip, man. She says it from the hip. She's taken the keys off of me wow. and said, "Grow up, stop acting like a man in crisis." Oh dear, you're not ta- you're not taking the moped out. Oh, I need to come over and sort this out. I think you do. I, I took the sports over. car out the other day, mm. and she said, "If you're going to take the sports car out with the roof off, you know, at least try and wear some." <laughs> I was wearing a mustard yellow. Jacket. <laughs> try, try and wear something that wouldn't identify you as a middle-aged man. <laughs> Isn't that awful? I go through the wardrobe going, does that make me look middle-aged? Does that make me look middle-aged? And you suddenly well, you look got, in the mirror and think, it's the face. <laughs> you got shirts with pictures of palm trees on them. What's the matter with that? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's quite trendy. You don't do that. Even I know that. Oh, yeah, oh, I know okay. that. Actually, just well, very, very briefly, because I've got to go. So, very quickly, you're looking at purchasing a new snake... Yeah, well, we've got the, 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 problem, the problems that we've been going over year after year yeah. after year, which everybody's familiar with. Uh, th- now we are advised, I was sp- speaking with an expert on this subject, the British brought these black whip stakes to Cyprus in the 1870s, mm. 1880s, when it was British. Yeah. And we see them around, but we need one. This is a black whip snake. You get one for your garden, give it milk, and then it kills the rats and uh, vermin and, and kills other snakes as well. So oh. we have to go and see a man called Snake George who will get us a black whip snake yeah. and he will become our own 1.5 metre long garden snake. And, and it, it'll live in the garden, will it? Yeah, live around the garden. Uh, you, you know, he, they can go up over a wall so he'll get his own territory. Oh and, um, you better tell Mr Chaz. Well, look, he's, he's <laughs> Mr Chaz has got issues at the moment with, with the rats, so I, I think he'll... 
I think he'll, uh, w- welcome a, a bit of support on this. Right. Oh, my God. Uh, and, uh, good luck. You've got Duran Duran coming over. Yeah, I'm not sure what I can say about this, other than that people are talking about it. I mean... They'll be very the good. Basis. Are they? Yes, I've seen them live in concert. I saw them, uh, at the Stadthalle in Vienna a few years back, and I, I, I wasn't that interested, but they were very good. Oh, right. Well, I'll make it... I'm in Finland, actually, the day they're here, but... But I, I'll, uh, I, you know, I'll, I'll keep my eye out, see how it goes. Definitely. All right, well, good, good luck with the black whip snake. Sounds horrible. I'll get a photo when it's here. Oh, do, please. Thank you. <laughs> Just what we need. And we'll talk to you next week. Take care, mate. Bye. Right. Nathan Morley, our man in Cyprus. Oh, dear. A black whip snake. Sounds horrible, doesn't it? 14 to 6. These are the headlines. Barack Obama's announced the withdrawal of American troops from Afghanistan in a televised address from the White House. The president explained he was able to fulfil his promise because of the success of the military operation. 800,000 public sector workers will be delivered tea and breakfast when they stage a national walkout next Thursday. UK Uncut, the group behind last year's student demonstrations, have said they're making the gesture to show solidarity between those affected by the coalition cuts. Single mums will be worst hit by the Coalition's programme of benefit cuts and tax rises. That's according to a report which says lone mothers will lose an average 8.5% of their income after tax by 2015. Let's have a check on the roads for you this morning. Get you there quickly. Got to go to work. Jay Louise. Thank you, Steve. Good morning. Northbound M1, the... Ten. I always love it when you get PR puffs. I got sent a PR puff the other day, which was, uh, Dear Steve, would you be interested in interviewing... Uh, this person, who's from The Only Way is Essex, about her recent weight loss. And so she can talk about this clinic which has helped her. I thought, you are joking, of course. You are joking. I was so tempted to write back and go, have you heard the show? We wouldn't be remotely interested in anything like that at all. It's just desperate. You know, interviewing Amy Child face down in the gutter would be marginally more interesting than interviewing Charlotte Church, I suppose. But then I read a piece about Charlotte Dawson, Charlotte Dawson is Les Dawson's daughter. And uh, this PR puff in the day and night column, which seems to take three people to write, which is a little bit, a uh, little bit naff. Yes, you have one, dear. Just one. one. OK, one. One. And, um, uh, and she's apparently, they say, getting her own reality TV show. So, and she, her name is Charlotte Dawson. Uh, the 18-year-old, who was just eight months old, eight months old when her father died, is being followed by a TV crew as she bids to carve out a career in the spotlight. Okay, so I'm smelling a rat on this story. The show is due to be broadcast at the end of the year. The programme will include the young beauty's recent exploits on the catwalk. Nobody's ever heard of her. Nobody's ever heard of her, but they've given her a reality show. Like her father, says a show insider, the camera loves Charlotte and she's inherited his sense of humour. The programme is about her attempt to make a name for herself in her own right. He died when she was eight months old. Okay, so we've waited this time. And here comes the the line in it. There are a number of networks interested in broadcasting it. In other words, they've got no show. What they're doing is they're trying to get a PR puff out there. Why would anybody waste money trying to follow around, trying to break into show business? Because she was Les Dawson's daughter, you know, and she was eight months old when he died. And uh, mainly through drink and consumption, I think, and cigarettes. I remember seeing Les getting out of a... He used to sit on television smoking. I can remember when we used to have people smoking on television. Very odd, actually. But uh, I loved it. If you type him in on Google, it gets some great stuff from the Royal Variety performance. But a number of networks interested. In other words, nobody's interested. Uh, Steve, £34,000 for a car. I'm happy with the one that's worth three to 400 says Stephen Harlington. There you go. Uh, you're right, Steve, it is £180 for Glastonbury. Uh, Gary in Isleworth says, don't know what's worse, the chemical brothers or the chemical toilets. 
I don't, do you know, to be honest with you, nothing on earth would get me to go to Glastonbury. If I was working and somebody put down, you know, rush matting for me to get to the back of the burger van and it was fully air-conditioned and I didn't actually have to touch any food or just, just, mon- just give me money or actually work... Actually, nobody ever accused me of being work shy, so I'm more than happy to do that. I'm very good. Even at a burger van, I'd, I'd be more than happy to... I nearly bought one a few years ago. Two of us nearly bought one because I was going, there's money in these blooming things, you know. There's money. Only I'd make sure... Yeah, exactly. It's like David Van Day from Dollar. Only I'd make sure we had proper bur- Not Not the cheap rubbish that most of them turn out. Uh, Andy says most of the rickshaws are legit. No, they're not. Not one of them is legit. They're not, they're not legit at all. They're not licensed. They're nothing. They're absolutely nothing at all. They do not carry insurance. They're, ju- they're not legit. A friend of mine rode to a wedding in one. Oh, God, how sad was that? Couldn't afford the Rolls Royce. How much do you think a Rolls Royce is for, for a wedding? How much do you think a Rolls Royce or a Bentley is? To pick you up at home, take you to a wedding, and then take you on to the reception. I think most people think it's going to cost thousands. Sometimes less than 250 quid. Less than 250 quid. I would, at least you'd be insured. Imagine, there you are sitting there in, in your bridal veil, hunched up in some filthy, dirty rickshaw, and it has an accident. Because the drivers don't... They don't have to pass any tests. So you don't have to do anything at all. Um, Cameron Diaz is... Uh, sh- lots of very short skirts. I came through Piccadilly Circus earlier on this morning, and they were all out there, girls wearing... I mean, they weren't even skirts. I thought they were belts. Really, really short. And for some reason, all the girls dress up for going out, and the fellas just look like they need a bath in Dettol. Lots of dirty, dirty-looking people there, sort of, you know, pouring these poor girls. Richard Burton, I heard this yesterday. This is where I have another little rant, I'm afraid, this morning. Another little rant. Richard Burton, they've said, all these years after his death, because he died in 1984. Hello? They're going to give him a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Now, we went to Hollywood. It's no big deal having a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. It's a private enterprise put out by the self-appointed mayor of Hollywood. They charge... £28,000. So what they do is, they, they, they will write to uh, to me, and they'll go, would you like a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame? And I'll go, oh, that'd be nice. They go, OK, it's £28,000. So your fan club have to raise that money to get the star, and then, because it's the self-appointed mayor of Hollywood, nobody's ever appointed him, he's self-appointed, and he just has pictures taken. And they charge twenty eight grand for this. When Tom Jones had, had his done, they all thought, oh, that's very nice. Somebody, it's, only a, it's a naff piece of brickwork with a silly star in it. And they put it in there. And the mayor poses for a photograph. And they go, that's lovely, isn't it? It's in Hollywood. You go, yeah, with all the, uh, all the prostitutes and the pimps and the drug dealers. I mean, it's filthy. Hollywood is disgusting. Be careful on the tour buses. Some of them break down. Ours did. And we went on two. Two of them broke down. And uh, so now they've said, after 1984, when he died, age 58, they said, uh, now we're actually going to give him a, a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Ugh, pff, load of old rubbish. Load of old rubbish. Others include, over there, Kate Winslet and Malcolm McDowell. I mean, it's, it's anybody gets it. You go there, you won't have heard of half of the people, but they've all paid 28 grand just to get a piece of concrete lifted out and something else put in there. It's very sad. Very sad indeed. I don't know why they're bothered now. I think you don't need a star. No, who walks on that thing up and down? How far do they go? We didn't even bother, did we? And we went to Hollywood. Yeah, but we didn't stand there going, oh, that's so-and-so. And that's... No, we didn't bother with it. We thought it was naff. We thought it was naff, naff, naff. And we're Brits. And we speak our mind. We're not like mamby-pambies. Oh, no. Richard Burton, a star on the Hollywood Walk. Of... We couldn't care less. We couldn't care less. Well, we couldn't by that time. So we had a bit of an altercation in a coffee shop. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> that was fun. Uh, right. Daily Mirror this morning. 
They reckon here that one of the trio killed over, uh, jailed over the killing of Baby P will walk free in just six weeks. Jason Owens got six years over the death in 2007. A source said he wants to start a new life. I bet he does. I bet he does. I mean, he's served less than four years. What's the point of having a, a court system in this country that go, you go to prison for... So that's why whenever they say, oh, so-and-so's gone to prison for three months, I think you'll do a week. You'll do a week and then you come outside. It's a total... A total farce, I'm afraid. It really is. Um, a lot of uh, Tesco savers are in the paper today because they've lost the right to use their money. And Pete Postlethwaite left uh, just £185,000 in his will. Doesn't seem very much. It was 300 and something before debt and taxes, leaving a surprisingly small legacy for his wife. Now, I don't know. When they say that's what somebody's worth... That, that includes the property, doesn't it? I think that includes the property. I don't think it includes... You know, it's nothing else... Here she is, his classy, the only way is Essex star, Maria Fowler. She was at the Groucho Club. Christ, I'll let anybody in nowadays, won't they? What was she doing there? The Groucho Club. I thought, well, she, well she was there because her boyfriend, apparently, is somebody called Greg James. Whoever he is. No idea. No idea. Whatever happened to Comedy Dave? Do you remember that? Comedy Dave, the most unfunny man on the television. Comedy Dave. Disappeared without trace. Disappeared. Because there was, there was a rumour, wasn't there? There he was on the television, and go, this is Comedy Dave. And every morning we'd go, but he's not funny. And then I thought, perhaps that's what the joke was. You know, like, Handsome Steve. You know, really unattractive. But if you say Handsome Steve, that's a joke. So Comedy Dave, not funny. And then he went out on tour, and then he paraded the wife there, and then somebody said that that had all finished. And I went, and I, only, I was sitting in front of the television last night, sitting there, playing with maroons, and I was thinking to myself, I wonder what happened to Comedy Dave. Did he go on to forge a career somewhere? Answer, no, he didn't. Did he actually, you know, take full advantage? Of... No, he didn't. Is he still not funny? Absolutely. So there you go. Another one who sort of, you know, bit the uh, the bullet and had a little foray into the world of show business and show business went, whoosh, didn't want you. So they uh, they spat him out again, I'm afraid, which was all very sad, all very sad. Here's uh, Helen's Corrie, uh, sorry, Corrie's Helen Flanagan. I've no idea who she is. I don't know who she is, but uh, she's out with her boyfriend, Scott Sinclair, and so much they have in common as they're walking down the, uh, down the street is that they're both on their mobile phones. She's wearing Ugg boots and the pink tracksuit bottom, so very chavvy, and she's on the phone and he's on the phone. Is this a relationship, or do you think this is just sort of messing about for the cameras? Apparently, she's taking a three-month break. I take the rest of your career, love. I take the rest of your career. Make it so much easier. But uh, why do people go out? You see, I saw it the other day. I see it all the time. Mum's pushing pushchairs, and they're on the phone. Who are they talking to? Who are they talking to? They're pushing, you know, the pram with one hand. Fa- yeah, but who, pushing a pram with one hand, it's dangerous. It's very dangerous to push a pram with one hand. It's like seeing somebody on a bicycle, you know, and they're riding with one hand, and the other hand, they're on the phone. I always sort of go... Put the phone down. You see people in the car. I get really cross. And especially mums pushing prams. Oh, dear me. That's the... That's the mind you, I don't, don't like them going into the coffee shops either. They take up far too much room. And they sit there all day nursing one latte. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. Welcome to LBC 97.3. Coming to you live from... Leicester Square. Oh, look, sunshine. Good Lord. Make the most of it. Oh, it's gone again. There you go. Sorry about that. It was uh, just a, a brief flash of sunshine. It would be nice to have a day without any rain, but I have a sneaking feeling, having a quick look at the weather forecast for today, that we're not going to be... Oh, here we go. Showers developing and some heavy, especially late morning and afternoon. Where are we going? We're going to interview Kim Cattrall today. She was at Wimbledon yesterday, 
Uh, she's got a new film out, so we'll talk about that. And, uh, and talk about the fact that for a lot of ladies, especially in the acting profession, over the age of 50, there's not much being written. So when you do get her, and this is not a big, big Hollywood blockbusting movie she's talking about. This is uh, what they call a small movie. I think made by somebody I don't think directed before. So that makes it even more interesting. So we'll find out about it. I think she plays an 80s porn star who's retired. And then uh, a, a lad, the other side of America, picks up one of her films and uh, travels to see her and thus begins this... This friendship. I like films like that. I like films that aren't too complicated and just have a couple of people in them. It works, works better for me. Uh, one thing I'm not very good at, I'm afraid, is heights. I don't know why I'm not very good at heights. I've, I've tried to be good at heights. I get dizzy standing on stepladders. I'm really rubbish. And there's a picture here, and I've only, I've only got to watch pictures of people, you know, on top of huge buildings doing things. And... And, and sort of, and there's no safety wire. And I look and I think, oh, you could just fall off. You could just so fall off. My worst, I've had nightmares about walking around the top of a building and the bricks start to crumble. And you have to decide, do you jump or, you know, and it, it just gives me this awful dilemma. And so here they are. These are engineers in China, uh, often working without any safety harness or anything like that. And what they've done is they've built a wooden road around Shifu Mountain. It's on the Hunan province. And it's 1.8 miles. And it's literally bits of wood stuck into the cliff. And they're, they're so high up, I can't... You can see the, the ground way below them. And they're balancing precariously on this thing, which looks like it's, it's being held up by a bit of string and some bamboo. Now, I lived in Hong Kong years and years ago. And when they did scaffolding on buildings, and I mean tall buildings, bamboo. Bamboo held together with strips of bamboo. And women would shin up and down this... That women... Women did a lot of the, the building in those days. And uh, so when you look at this, this picture here, uh, Yu Ji, who's been building mountainside roads for ten years, says, I don't feel any different on this one to any other job. He said, it's not dangerous. Uh, you just wear the ropes and then everything's OK. I mean, it, I couldn't even... I'd be clinging to the cliff wall. It's only about three foot wide, this thing. <laughs> Frightens the life out of me. Uh, Steve, I borrowed a C-Class Mercedes for six months when I gave it back and grabbed... A 1.3D van and saved 10 to 15 pounds a day. Made a huge difference. I used to rent Mercedes a long time ago. I sold a property years and years ago and I had some, some, some spare money and I thought, I'll go and rent a Mercedes. It was false economy, really, because I always think renting it, if you're renting a luxury car, it's, it's false economy because you might as well save up and buy the thing. And I think you can go and rent a, a, a Rolls Phantom for something like two and a half thousand pounds a day or probably even cheaper than that. And it's the insurance, and it's the, it's the cost of covering the blooming thing. So uh, I used to rent this Mercedes. and forget, forget which one it was. It was very sporty, and I used to love it. I used to take it all over the place. I really loved it, and it, I used to run up all sorts of bills on it. Uh, Ian says, some burger vans look to make £10,000 a day at Glastonbury. Well, I think, actually, at Glastonbury, there are so many um, outlets for all the food there. I think you can certainly do very well. We went to a thing with the, uh, with the Godchildren. Hey, where did we go to? It was a castle in Essex, and they had a special day of jousting and everything else. One burger van was there, so the queues were a mile long. They ran out of chips, they ran out of everything. And you think, if you're the only burger van there, you know, at least make sure you've got food there, because they, they tend to become a little bit slapdash. And it's then that I think, if I had a burger van here, I'd make sure that people really got value for money. Um, apparently, says Paul, you and Mr Morley were mentioning not being allowed to take water into Glastonbury. It's not just confined to festivals... Apparently, from this year, it seems you're no longer allowed to take food and drink into Blackpool Pleasure Beach for picnics. If you do and it's found, it'll be confiscated. 
We went to Blackpool Pleasure Beach. We did go to Blackpool because it was down the road from the, the hotel where we were. And I couldn't understand why people would actually take in food. But they do. People take in picnics and sit among the roller coasters and things like that. It's a very odd thing. It's a, it's a British thing. British thing. And also, I, I don't... I don't trust burgers that are on sale in these burgers. They all look a bit dodgy. As especially when, as I said, I mentioned yesterday, you go to the fun fair and they've got them, and they seem to be stacked up about ten high, and you think, how long have they been sitting there? You know, and what do they do with all the stuff that they don't sell today? Answer is, they heat it up again the next day. That's why it's all substandard food, because it's, 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 it's almost like throwaway food, I think. It certainly tastes like it. Uh, looking forward to Saturday, says Gordon in Betchworth. Will you be doing the usual meet and greet? I will be at the end of the first show, because what we've got, we've got two shows at the Magic Circle. Because even my brother said, will we get a chance to chat? And I said, well, probably afterwards, after we finish this, because people will go in. I think the doors open at one forty-five, and there'll be close-up magicians uh, downstairs. There'll be a buffet. And uh, I think a glass of sherry, very nice indeed. All very, uh, all very civilised. And then I think three o'clock upstairs. Then you can you can go down to the museum, have a look at all the posters, have a look around the place. Three o'clock, theatre will open, and uh, we'll all troop in there. It's very intimate, very nice, and we'll have a nice stage show with some really super people, really super people. John Vanderputs there, and John Archer, and Duncan Trillo, and Paul Zerdin, and Graham Jolly, and somebody else. And I can't remember who it is now. But uh, it's, it's, it's going to be really nice. So at the end of that, then we'll do it. And then we have to reset because we've got another show, which I think starts at about six o'clock. So it's, uh, it's very, very good, actually. Uh, Carol says, can you wish Andy a very happy birthday? Happy birthday, Andy. OK, there you go. So we solved something. It's amazing how many birthdays we seem to celebrate on LBC. It's amazing how many birthdays. I love it. I love it. I love this. I've got a, um, a Chinese bowl at home that my parents bought in Hong Kong. And I keep, I keep looking for marks on it. I can't find any marks saying it's the, you know, Qing Dynasty or this or that. But I'm secretly harbouring thoughts that's worth a small fortune. And one day the Antiques Roadshow are going to come round, poke their nose in and go, Good Lord, this is worth a fortune. We thought this had been lost during the sort of the uprising you know, of the Ming Dynasty or whatever it happens to be. This is worth over 10 million. Because a violin came up the other day, a Stradivarius, and it was to raise money for the tsunami in Japan, and it fetched £13.5 million. Pounds. Somebody paid £13.5 million pounds for a Stradivarius. And I remember thinking, why haven't I got one of those? Why was nobody in our family musical? And the best we actually got was a recorder and a triangle, and there's no chance of them being worth any money, is there? That's why I love it on the Antiques Roadshow. And this is... Oh, this is lovely. Was it somebody who took something in the other day? It was a family history... And, and it was really lovely. And no, uh, tell you what it was. It was signed books by Ian Fleming. Signed books by Ian Fleming. First editions. And she had ten. Ten. First edition. James Bond. Ian Fleming. And how much were they worth each? Because I was, I was ho- half listening in the kitchen, waiting. For, he said, well, he said, they're, they're signed by Ian Fleming. They're all first editions. Each book is worth £6,000. And I'm going, that's £60,000! £60,000! And yet sometimes they hold something up, and I, I, say, I have a game with myself, you probably played as well, and you go, 300 And they go, this is probably worth about seventy. And you think, hardly worth taking it, is it? Hardly worth taking it to the auction. I do love it. Uh, sad news, Glenn Campbell, the country singer, like a rhinestone cowboy, has said that he's suffering from Alzheimer's. He said, so just in case, he said, people come to the uh, the shows and the concert, he said, and I, I forget things, he said, it's because of that. I think we forgive Glenn Campbell just about anything. 
News headlines at Sam Pittis. US President Barack Obama has announced he'll... Tweet me this morning from 10. Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. Welcome along. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. 18 minutes past six is uh, the time. There's a, a great piece in the paper today. Forget the Maldives and the Caribbean. A respected US holiday guide is urging its readers to go to Cardiff. Cardiff. Despite being better known for its rugby and booze nightlife, experts raved about the city's waterfront sports attractions, historical treats, shopping and restaurants. They ranked it more exciting and more exotic than the Azores and Rattan in Honduras. Sophie Harrison said yesterday, Cardiff is lush. I would actually vote for it. She says, give me the Mediterranean any day. Mainly the people come here is that they're on the lash or they're going to a stag or a night. So that's it. I mean, it is actually known for Caroline Street, otherwise known as Chippy Alley. And that's where the, the usual fights break out most evenings. A lot of people fighting over a bag of chips. And then there's a Millennium Stadium, which is good. They've got a Doctor Who exhibition. Hardly enough to make you want to go to Cardiff, is it? I don't know. The Riverside Food Market, best place to get a duck burger. And the National Museum of Wales. Impressive collection of Monet's they've got there, which is fantastic. Monet's and, and other, other drinks, fantastic. And, and uh, you can go there and have a good look at a bit of painting. So as Cardiff has been voted holiday hotspot, what's the worst place you've ever been on holiday? You know, you go there. I mean, for us, it was Lanza Grotti. What a ghastly place. Ghastly place. It's all right, provided you spend most of the day inebriated. But if, you, if you're going there thinking it's all lush and wonderful, it's not. It's ghastly and it's full of Brits. Uh, so where's the most unlikely destination that you've enjoyed? Do let me know. Share it with the rest of London and the world. 84850 or LBC 973. So Cardiff voted as a holiday hotspot. What's the worst place you've been on holiday? Come on, you can tell us. Or the most unlikely destination that you've enjoyed. 84850 or LBC 973. Uh, off to the theatre now, in the company of uh, our Roger Foss. Hello, Roger. Hello. What, what accent is that, Steve? I don't I only do the one accent. It's... I'm, I'm oh. Cockney. Oh, I thought that was your Welsh accent, or your... No, 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 I, I don't do any accents. I mean, all my impressions sound like Prince, Prince Philip, so, or Prince Charles, and then they sort of morph into Michael Crawford. So, I mean, oh. I, I just don't have much luck with oh. anything. Very good on the best Yes, very, I'm, I do a very good. I've had a bit of trouble. You know, I'm quite good at that one. Yes. But then I amaze oh, myself. Brilliant. So off you go brilliant. last night to uh, Michael yes. Ball. Oh, Michael Ball last night at the Royal Albert Hall. Yeah, he's touring with his new show called Heroes, which uh, it's it's all his own hits, of course. But mm. uh, he's doing the num- a lot of the numbers on his album, uh, which uh, kind of tributes really, I suppose, to his own heroes, Neil Diamond and Barry Manilow and oh, Elvis good. amongst them, and. Uh, I've got to say, Michael Ball celebrating 25 years as a performer is absolutely on top form. Yes. So he's got a couple more dates to go, I think, Plymouth and Bournemouth, um, and then uh, Brighton at the end of June sometime. And really, uh, uh, what an evening. He, he literally rocked the Albert Hall. And uh, I was interested to see as well that Michael Ball now has got a whole new fan base, his hairspray. I mean, oh, lots and lots of young kids going along and dancing in the aisles last night to Michael Ball doing Elvis numbers. Lord. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> well, good for I'm him. Happy. I mean, he's, he's always enjoyed doing, you know, the big places. He loves doing it. It, it. it poses no threat to him whatsoever. He isn't frightened by it. He, he loves, he's been doing it for such a long time, and the, the yeah. fans have stayed with him. He can command those huge, great venues, like yes. the Royal Albert Hall, yeah. and make it seem like, you know, 
he's just face to face with you. But uh, I'm pleased to see as well. It'd be interesting to see what what it's like that he goes into rehearsal, of course, for Sweeney Todd mm. at Chichester, which uh, opens, I think, in September sometime with uh, Imelda Staunton, which Lovely. is great casting and a and a big contrast for him after Hairspray, of course. Yes. Um, you know, a bit of really serious uh, acting there in the uh, probably the most actually uh, I, I think the best. Stephen Sondheim musical, but anyway, Michael Ball, absolutely fantastic, and 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 you know, another twenty-five years, easy. Yes, <laughs> I think easy as well. Uh, then off you toddle to see uh, the Tom Stoppard play Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. This is the oh, one at don't. the Haymarket, directed by Trevor Nunn, who's currently yes. in the company of Nancy Delusional. Oh yeah, Nancy Delusional. Oh yeah, sitting right in front of me. Oh dear. I I, I thought. <laughs> hang on a minute. I'm watching Rosencrantz and Guildenstern here, are dead. Um, <laughs> and I, I've got to say, I mean, I, 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 I found the back of her neck far more interesting than the play after a while. Oh, dear. Uh, this is the Trevor Nunn season at the Theatre Royal Haymarket. Flare Path, which he, he did before this, was absolutely fantastic. And this play, as you know, it's Tom Stoppard. It's a word fest. It's, it's uh, Shakespeare's Hamlet, but told through the eyes of these two characters. Mm who you, rarely, you don't really see much of in, uh, in Hamlet itself, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. And, and so it's, um, it's just these two characters talking about the meaning of life, I suppose, and wondering where they are all the time. Mm. And it stars uh, Samuel Barnett as Rosencrantz and Jamie Parker as Guildenstern, who are very good. They're two of the history boys, like James Corden. Yes. Uh, but now grown up to become, I suppose, history men, you know, much older now. But... Um, the play itself is just really two, two uh, fools caught up in Hamlet's world. And uh, I thought after a while, this is like watching the Anton Deck of Shakespeare, really. Mm. And I couldn't really, after a while, work it, work it out. Because Tom Stoppard, in this play, really speaks in riddles, I think. And when he wrote it, back in the 60s, when he was a, an undergraduate, he must have been suffering from some kind of verbal incontinence. And uh, also... It's the sort of theatre I don't like, where you, you've got to really also almost have a, a master's degree in modern drama to understand what's going on. Mm. You know? I mean, I get fed up watching people on stage crunching concepts all the time about the meaning of life and asking, oh, where am I, or what's it all about? Mm. It's like watching Waiting for Godot, but without the jokes. And I, I thought, well, this is taking an awful long time to say it, not very much. And in the interval, I thought, I can't leave, because... I've got Nancy Delelio sitting there, and she's Sir Trevor's friend now. Yes. She might tell him, I've gone. So. I mean, do, do you think she understood it? Probably not. Oh, I wouldn't have thought so. No. <laughs> if you didn't get it, she definitely wouldn't it. get it. Apparently, she did change <laughs> outfits in the interval. Um, no, ooh, no, what, no, I didn't notice her changing outfits. Yes, it was said here that, that she went... Uh, oh, unless it wasn't the interval, it was after the thing. It's in one of the pieces in the paper today saying that she, ah. she, she did go and then she went uh, backstage and then she came back with another outfit. Oh. So quite oh, clearly well, more I mean... interested in, in wearing different clothes and actually bothering about Rosencrantz and Guildenstern at all. Yes, I mean, for all I know, she could have nodded off. But what was it that Jerry Paxman interview when he said, I'm sorry, I haven't got the faintest idea what you're talking about here? <laughs> Somebody said to <laughs> I her. Mean, that's how I felt about the play. Oh, dear. So, big thumbs down <laughs> there. The, sorry, sorry, Trevor. Yes, but, you know, Samuel Barnett and Jamie Parker, the play may be dead, but...
but they are alive and well and, and acting their socks off. I Good. mean, absolutely fantastic. All right. So, so uh, nipping, if you want to see them... OK, we're nipping round the corner and down the road and off a little bit to the left and off the Strand at the uh, Vaudeville, or Vaudeville, the Flying Karamazov Brothers. Yeah, I've never seen these before. Oh, they, I saw I them mean, first time round. Oh, did you? Yes. Because they're, they're, not, they're, not um, they're not actually Russians, are they? No. Uh, not, oh, they don't actually fly. <laughs> they don't. No, they I thought they might be flying. <laughs> they, they, they're, they're absolutely. I thought, you know, this is great stuff because I went on the longest day of the year. You know, the other day, mm. and it was like a, a, a midsummer night's madness. These four crackpot Americans who juggle in kilts and, and tutus, mm. uh, and, and at one point they do this amazing jazz juggling sequence. They call it jazz juggling. Did you see that? Because they... I don't remember the jazz they, juggling first time round. They've been here a number of times. Yeah, well, I've always missed them, and I've always wondered what they do. And, and here they are. They're a bit like... I suppose they're a bit like the Marx Brothers, aren't they? Or the yes. Three Stooges. They're, they're just mad. <laughs> Completely bonkers. They must be getting on a <laughs> bit by now, unless it's a new troupe. Yeah, they change them, apparently. There's one guy, the one with the uh, lots of hair and the beers... Um, I think he's the original Karamazov, but the others sort of, you know, come and go. But they have to be ace jugglers. Yes. Mm. Ace jugglers. The jazz juggling sequence goes on for, for what seems like hours. The four of them there throwing these, um, I don't know what you call it, well, those juggling things, you know, between each other mm. and then making it up as they go along is quite extraordinary. It's worth going just to see that. Yes, but no, yes. This is great fun, good entertainment, and... Uh, they reminded me a bit when they play those musical instruments as well, a bit like those old variety acts, you know, like mm. something out of vaudeville. Like, I don't know if you remember Sid Millward and the Nitwits. Yes, it's I do, absolutely, of, yes, with the little trampolines. Yes, yes, yes. It's completely yes. mad. Although, strange enough, I saw something <laughs> even madder the other day, and I think it must have been on YouTube, or it, perhaps it came up on the television, and it's a guy who goes into his garage and he starts juggling hammers. And he's got three hammers, and he's juggling hammers, which is great. And, and you think, well, that, that's very nice. I've seen people do that before. Until the camera pulls back, and you realise that as he's throwing the hammer up, it is hitting a nail in the beam above his head, and as each hammer hits it, it's banging the nail further in. Yeah. It's the most incredible <laughs> thing to watch. It was just one of those things. Finally and briefly, young man, it has to be, very yeah. briefly, the roar of the grease paint, smell of the crowd oh. at the Finborough. Yeah, going back to the 60s again, this is... Uh, Rickus and Anthony Newley musical mm. never really did very well. It, Norman Wisdom did it here in the 60s. Yeah. It went to Broadway with Anthony Newley. Full of the most fantastic songs. The wonderful Daylight Today, The Joker, Who Can I Turn To, Feeling Good. I mean, song after song after song. And done at the Finborough Theatre in Earl's Court absolutely fantastically. I mean, it's got to be a roaring success. Good. It's a roaring triumph for this little theatre. Fantastic little set. Uh, a marvellous chorus of clown urchins. And a story that you can't really understand. Who cares? <laughs> a bit like Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. <laughs> only better, way, with two. songs. All right. Yes. Okay, kiddo, I listen, know. I've got to leave it there, but thank you for that. So big, big thumbs up for Roar of the Grease Paint. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And the Karamazov brothers, big thumbs up as well. Oh, yes, yes, get Definitely. juggling. All right, kiddo, talk to you next week. Bye, Steve. Bye. Roger Foss, our man in the front stalls. He's there, but without Nancy. LBC 97.3 with Steve Allen. I've just noticed, actually, morning if you have just joined us, the Osmonds are doing their final tour next year, starting in uh, March in Bristol. They're all over the place, including uh, Croydon, Manchester. They run all the way through April and uh, a little bit of May as well. Final tour, do you think it will be? The answer is, I probably think it will be. Uh, it's not with Donny. 
Donny's not on this tour, it's just the four Osmond uh, brothers. And uh, I think for many of us, Donny Osmond was the Osmonds, wasn't he, really? You need to see Donny and, uh, and Marie at the same time. Uh, Glenn Campbell, as we revealed, has uh, Alzheimer's. And another story in the paper today about loose women. They're saying that ITV are going to revamp it because it's shedding and hemorrhaging audience like there's no tomorrow. Now, I said this a short while ago, that it's, it's kind of lost its way. It's just a lot of silly, you know, people sitting there just talking sexist rubbish. And it's never actually had a, had a direction. It started off well, and it was quite intelligent, and now it's degenerated into sort of Colleen Nolan drooling over any man who appears on the programme, and Denise just being an excuse for a panellist, I'm afraid. The only sensible person, really, is, uh, is, is McGiffin. And, uh, mind you, we like Linda Bellingham, too. And in a sh- strange way, I like Sherry Houston. She's mad as a brush. Sometimes she comes out with stuff. It just makes me die laughing. You just sit there and you think, you are so mad. You're so mad. Probably make a very good in-conversation guest. 25 to 7, he's in the fjords. He sent me loads of pictures the other day of uh, this beautiful, beautiful scenery. And we didn't realise until I looked at the picture of his ship, he's on the Queen Mary too, that there's a whole... R- obviously people are going round in like a carousel, all these big ships. So it's, it's not just John Warrington out there. Morning, John. Good morning, Steve. No, you're certainly right, though. It isn't just me out here. And we do have a little bit of a delay on this uh, line, by the way, because Mm. I'm actually now in the North Sea, heading my way back to the United Kingdom. And I think that when I left you the other day, I had visited Slam. Now, Slam has the most sensational railway. It's a very special one. It was built in 1940. And it's still operating today, mainly for tourists. But what it does, it comes from this tiny little village at the bottom of one of those fjords whose pictures I sent to you. Mm. And the ship pulls into the dock. And then you get a chance to go on the railway. And it's a two-hour journey around the mountain. And it takes you to 4,000 feet above sea level. And when you're there, you get off and there's spectacular views and waterfalls and all snow all around. So it's quite sensational. But when the train comes back down the track and it winds its way around the mountain, it uses 12 sets of brakes to hold it back. And when you're sitting on the train, you actually feel it. You sort of push back in your seat and think, goodness me, are we going to come off this mountain? (laughs) But it really is such an amazing thing to do. And Slam itself, with this tiny little population of about 350 people, is literally in the middle of nowhere. And I thought, what a wonderful place to send Steve Allen. It's not very nice, John. I'm a little bit hurt by that. So, I mean, did you... In- I mean, looking at the photographs that you sent back, it, it does look quite beautiful. The scenery is these these huge mountains sort of rise out of the uh, the waters and the snow and everything. It does look oh. very pretty. Is it as pretty as, 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 as it appears to be? it's actually much, much, much more perfect because you don't realise how big those mountains are. And the next day we went to a, a, a place called Geringer, which is a second fjord further north in Norway, and that's where we saw and spent the uh, midnight sun, the 21st of June. And then in Geringer is a world UNESCO site, and the Norwegians are very, very proud of it. And this journey that you come, you come go out from Flan, you go out through these fjords into the sea and then to the top and then back into the Geringer Fjords and it takes about three hours to go from the sea to this inland waterway and there is a point there where it's only one mile across now the Queen Mary is a massive massive ship it's the third biggest ship in the world there's only two above her and she winds her way very very slowly through these massive mountains 
that at one point look as if they're going to crush her. And as you go through, waterfalls are crashing down from the top from the melting ice caps. And that's where I did my kayaking. Yes, we and saw that. Who, who's, who's the lady in the photograph, John? I'm sorry, if I had to give you that information, I'd have to kill you. Oh, OK, fine, I'm I shan't ask. With a lady. <laughs> <laughs> every, time, every time we opened up a picture, there's sort of another picture of you with this woman in the kayak and all the rest of it. Listen, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll leave it there. Are, are you still at sea um, on Sunday or not? Tomorrow. No, tomorrow I will be. Right, tomorrow you will be. Well, we'll see if we can get a better line, because the, the delay is a bit of a problem for us. A, it is a bit of a problem, and I haven't told you about the medical emergency yet, and I'd like to do that tomorrow morning and tell you exactly what happened. All right, we'll look forward to that tomorrow, and hopefully we'll sort out a better better line, because the delay drives you crackers when you... Because, you know, you start speaking, and then John comes back with something else. So I'm glad you're enjoying it so far, and we'll talk tomorrow morning. I'll let Amanda sort out a time with you. Thanks for that, John. Bye. Yes, lovely. You're welcome. Bye. There he goes. Bless his heart. He's on the ship at the moment. I think they're, they're only about an hour ahead of us. Sounds lovely, doesn't it? Uh, worst holiday for me, says Christine in Bristol, was Malta. I don't think I've been to... I went to Gibraltar. I quite like Gibraltar. I quite like that, apart from those ghastly apes everywhere. And uh, Karen says, I laugh out loud listening to your Welsh accent, because I live in Cardiff, and it's boring. And I've never done a Welsh accent in my life, Karen. Uh, one hit, grotty Lanzarote, what a hellhole. Went for 14 nights, came home after five. Dirty hotel, dirty streets, awful place. I didn't like it at all. Strange enough, it's the kind of place that kids would like because all, all kids want it on holiday and they, they don't look at it in the same way as we do. They, they just go, has it got ice cream? Has it got fizzy drinks? Is there some water and some sand to play in? And can I have an inflatable boat? If the answer is yes to all of those, kids will eat pizza. They, they don't care. It's the adults that go, it's ghastly. It's just like Blackpool. It's horrible. You know what we think about Blackpool. So, um, so Lanzagrotti. The, 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 the only thing I liked about Lanzagrotti was the fact that when you look down the middle of the island, there is a line of volcanoes. You could see them. I mean, it's, 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 but there's no sand. It's this black stuff that comes out. Worst holiday destination for me, says David in Purley, Skegness. It's awful. Oh, Skeggy. I haven't been... I might have been to Skeggy when I was younger. The pier fell into the sea several years ago in a storm, and the bits that left just go across the beach. The sea view is spoiled by millions of wind turbines, and boots in the high street have security tags on everything, including the condoms. Really? Surprised? I wouldn't have thought in Skeggy they'd bother with things like that. Security tags, that is. And, uh, well, they, they do that now, don't they? Security tags everywhere. Um, Steve, I've had several holidays in Hong Kong the latest being last year. They still use bamboo as scaffolding. Quite amazing to see them collecting it up after a typhoon. You should revisit and see the changes, especially Disneyland. To see Winnie the Pooh talking Chinese is a sight to behold. Mad. <laughs> Little ears pricked up. Ching tong chi off your pooh. There you go, you see? So she's very excited by that. Actually, the idea of Winnie the Pooh talking Chinese, I think that could tempt me. Because I did go through a phase years ago of going to a shop called Dress Circle in Upper St Martin's Lane and trying to find West End shows in different languages. And I've got Les Miserables in Chinese. I am odd, aren't I? I'm very peculiar. I'm going through a strange phase in my life. But that's what happens when you hit 40. You know what it's like? You go through the 40s and, you know, when I emerge the other end... No, you don't know what it's like to be 40. No, you probably won't. <laughs> but I, and I've, I've also got Phantom of the Opera in Chinese. I also had Blood Brothers in Chinese. I don't know why. I just, I just quite listen, like listening to it in Chinese. I don't know. I'm just not right, am I, I'm afraid. I'm sorry about that. Although I, I did thank you yesterday. Because remember we were talking about that little boy, Kai, in case you missed yesterday's programme, we didn't podcast. And we were looking for a bone marrow uh, match. Because he's only three. 
and he needs a bone marrow transplant. It's as simple as that. And we encouraged everybody, with the help of our sister station, uh, Choice, uh, on Saturday, loads of people came down. We were looking for black and mixed race people to come down, just fill in a form and give a simple saliva test. And the good news was that we found a match for his bone marrow. It's, it's not it's not solved the problem. It's a long journey they've got to go through. But at least we found a match. And that, you know, just made everybody feel incredibly good the other day. We were very happy about that. So well done to everybody. It's amazing what we can all do when we pull together, isn't it? It's a bit like, you know, when we have the Jubilee and we've got the Queens to look forward to next year. We'll all put, the whole country will come together. I've said before, and I'm going to stand by it, at the Olympics, we don't care. As long as the opening ceremony goes fine and Tom Daly wins, I'll be as happy as Larry. I couldn't care less about anything else, because I think everybody's going to burst into tears if he wins. Promise you. Nigel in Welling says, uh, can you wish my wife, uh, Anne, a very happy 49th birthday? She's listening in the bath. La, 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 la. We don't want that kind of talk going on on the programme. Don't like the idea of people take me in the bathroom. Can see you, can see you. Anyway, she's, uh, she's getting ready to go to work. She does the uh, breast screenings at King's College Hospital. There's probably a joke there, Nigel. I wish I could repeat it on the programme. I can't think of any jokes about you do that and that's called a job, is it? For many people, that would be fantastic. So good for her. 49A. God, I don't know anybody as old as you, actually, Anne. Nobody. Nobody. Not round here, anyway. We're all in our early 40s, as you know. Except the other day. I, mean, we have, I know you're not, Popsy. We had Will the other day and he turned out to be 19. I went through a deep depression on the programme. Deep, deep depression, I'm afraid. Not at all happy about it. Uh, 84850, steve at Sorry? Yes. OK. And I don't know what she's on today. Uh, nice to hear mention of Sid Millwood and the Nitwits. Steve says, Sir Nige, Sid lived next door to me in Totteridge during the 60s. Didn't see much of him, because he used to spend most of his time in Las Vegas, where he had a residency at one of the big casinos that lasted several years. Lovely man, brilliant musician. I always thought his true talents were obscured by, essentially, just mucking about. They did it. They had this act where they ran about all over the stage and jumped on little... I tried to get her to... She won't do it. She won't do it. We've tried for the shows. I've put a little trampoline out for her, and I've sort of dropped her on it just to see how high we can get her up to do the lights. And she, she won't play ball. She just won't do it. I don't know. You know, some people, you give a helping hand up. I said to her, listen, hold the coloured gel in one hand. I'll bounce you on the trampoline. As you go up there, unscrew the light, put the gel in, then drop down, OK? And then go, ta-da! She won't do it. She won't play ball. I don't know why. God knows you give people an opportunity in show business and they just throw it back in your face. Cardiff has been voted as a holiday hotspot. I know. Strange, isn't it? By an American magazine. What's the worst place you've been on holiday? Not that I'm saying Cardiff is dire. I wouldn't personally want to go there. I think John Barrowman's got a place in Cardiff. Or is it Swansea? No, I think it's Cardiff. Where's the most unlikely destination that you've enjoyed? Do let us know. 84850 or you can tweet LBC973. Quarter to seven. With the headlines for you this morning, it's Sam Pittis. US President Barack Obama has announced... <laughs> right. Uh, 12 minutes. No, it's not. It's 11 minutes to 7. It's very exciting, you know. Uh, Jason says, I agree with Roger Foss. Raw the grease paint is hard to understand. Disagree, it's worth saying. I thought it was pretentious nonsense. I just love the title of it. He said, the great lyricist Alan J. Lerner said, don't try and be different. Try and be good. Being good is different. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Ken says, you talk about mothers wheeling pushchairs whilst on the phone. My pet current hate is pushchairs on buses. Some pushchairs these days are the size of a small hatchback. They are, they're enormous. Have you noticed? Have you seen some of them? They're like triple-decker pushchairs. You could get a whole radio comedy team in there if they were funny. You could put sort of, you know, fat presenter underneath and then one on top and one on top. Because it takes about three or four people to actually make a radio programme. No, it doesn't. Uh, Jeremy says, uh, re-hitting 40, surely you have battered it to death. 
No, not really sure on that one at all. I don't, I don't know where you're coming from on that one. And, uh, and Dan says, can you wish Danny a happy fourth wedding anniversary today? Off to Kingston for a hair colour. Bright pink. That's her with pink hair, not me, he says. I know, I had to think about that one. I was, I was trying to visualise you, actually, Dan, with pink hair. Because there is a woman who walks around Twickenham who's got pink hair. And I think she's, she's painted a house pink as well. And she's got her car painted pink. But it's a very lurid pink. So uh, have a very happy fourth wedding anniversary for four years. Good Lord, honestly. <gasps> Doesn't seem possible, does it? Where does the time go? You, uh, you have a nice time. Uh, Patsy says, you do make me smile and God knows I need one. Found out yesterday, a dear friend's been diagnosed with motor neurons. Lovely lady. Life's not fair. But at least you give me a laugh while I'm getting ready for work. It's not fair, is it? It's not fair. You know, we will get tested as we go through, uh, go through life. Uh, in the paper as well today, um, apparently almost a quarter of children under ten are never allowed to play outside on their own because their parents are worried about their safety. Really? That's funny, that. I mean, I sometimes see on the... I don't know whether you see them on the... I mean, we all see the, uh, the cars in the morning, with a little kid on the back who's half asleep going to school. And then I see little kids on the train in the morning as I'm going back home. And they've got bags which are bigger than they are. And these little kids in their little uniforms, you know, they're about three foot tall. They stagger onto the train. There was one the other day. There's obviously, it must be quite a posh school, because they have to take their own cricket gear. And they're all quite well-spoken. You don't hear any foul language, and they're not sitting there smoking. They're very well, well-behaved. And they've all got their bags, and they're all called things like... Winsworth and Bins Minor and stuff like that and Rupert and fabulous and they've got these one got on the other day this poor kid he's got this backpack on which I mean he looked like he was about to be weighed down by and then also dragging along was his cricket kit in a huge the bag was bigger than he was and he gets on the train and they've all got their kit on there and you just look at them and you think I'm sure when we were younger we didn't have to take cricket kit to school did we? That's, of course, you think differently, in which case, do let me know. 84850, uh, One here very quick. I did mention that, um, that George Clooney's available again, Amanda, so if you'd like to sort of, you know, submit your application. Yeah? He'd like you, actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you would. Yeah. As long as you don't mention marriage. We're all right as long as you don't mention the marriage bit. He gets a little bit panicky. Inside the bizarre world of the boy who grew up to be a master cyber criminal... Uh, it's, it's a bit like war games, this story. And that's why I found it fascinating. I didn't... Uh, I, I'm not interested in sort of geeky people, really, but I do know from years and years ago, when we did a feature on LBC, about, about Dungeons and Dragons. And Dungeons and Dragons, people were playing... I can't remember if they played it on the internet or they just played this game. And it became around the world. People were playing it and getting... And I went to interview somebody. I didn't understand anything. And then I went to Kingston, and very near the van shop, which is where they do these, these shoes, is a shop that sells soldiers... And you can go in there and buy all sorts of plastic soldiers and strange gargoyle-type creatures. And kids go and stand there and they, and they move them around. And I don't remember as a child. I know people assemble model soldiers and build up armies and stuff. But these are really strange creatures. Really, really strange creatures. So it comes as no surprise to me that people sort of sit in their bedrooms on the internet and the parents have got no idea what they're doing. Not a clue. They just sort of go on the internet and if you know where, you, where they are, I wouldn't have the faintest idea how to hack into anything at all. I really wouldn't understand it. I really wouldn't understand it. Uh, tennis, tennis, tennis. And they've got tear. This is uh, Bethany Mattox-Sands, known as the Lady Gaga of tennis. That's not necessarily a compliment. She's wearing a most peculiar outfit, but extremely rude because she didn't shake the, uh, the umpire's hand. 
at the end of the match. Very rude person, so shan't bother with uh, with her again. Uh, Tesco stampede over price blunder on beer. Tesco's have been forced to call in security staff after shoppers raced to, raced to cash in on an error in a drinks promotion. Customers were walking away with 24 cans or bottles of leading brands of lager for only £4. The promotion was supposed to offer a saving of £4 on two cases of 12 drinks, which normally sell for 20 quid. but when they reached the till, they were being charged only £4 instead of 16 Word spread like wildfire. Crooks everywhere went rushing into Tesco. Quick, get these things, get them to the till. Because in theory, they don't have to sell it to you. That's, that's it. You know, it's like people, you see them in shops trying to peel off a sticker and put it on another item. When it gets to the till, they go, sorry, this sticker's on the wrong item. They go, oh, well, it says that, and you think you can buy it, but you can't. So poor old Tesco have had this, uh, this, this dreadful calamity. Pepsi had it uh, in 2009, where they claimed they had 250 pairs of Yankee Stadium baseball tickets, but they only got 100, I'm afraid. And then McDonald's in 2006 gave away 10,000 MP3 players, which turned out they were loaded with a virus. So they had to have a recall. And there was another one as well. Do you remember Hoover in 1992? This one sparked outrage everywhere. If you bought more than £100 worth of products, the tickets were worth more than the cleaners, and they were offering free air tickets. It cost Hoover £50 million. £50 million. I remember when all the papers were full of bingo. Bingo, bingo, bingo mad. And the Daily Mail printed the wrong numbers. And 60,000 people won. You can imagine sitting at home. We used to have security guards at LBC, and they'd sit there with 20 bingo cards, checking it. But it was a controlled game. They knew when, when the winning numbers would be released, and they knew how many of them there were. Unfortunately, in the Daily Mail game, they screwed up big time. Good news if you're an Apple fan. Very good news, because they reckon that the new iPhone from Apple will be available September, and they reckon a bit later in the year, the new um, iPad, iPad 3, they said uh, could be out there, but they're looking... I mean, it's just non-stop, isn't it? It's, they just bring them out so quickly now. At least give us a bit of time. So this one, it's got a better camera on, and uh, they're looking as well at different processing in, inside. They said uh, the updated iPad will be a third higher than that of iPad 2, and the phones will include iCloud software. This is taken over from um, all the other things, which will good. And uh, Apple have got 18.2% of the market. Worst place to holiday, Steve, St Mary's in Sussex. Minnie says, will you do a Scottish accent? I don't do Scottish accents. I don't do accents. Terribly sorry. Not a performing flea or something. Uh, Re-holidays. I ended up in Torremolinos by mistake for a night. Horrid. Christ. Torremolinos. I've never been to Torremolinos. I just think it's... I don't know. It sounds like bullfighting country. It's awful, is it? Oh, right. Don't Steve, what's it like to be 60, says Maria. I don't know. You're asking somebody who's 20 years away from it. I've got no idea. Uh, we've booked a tour to Prague, but can't get there because the border agency have our passports... It's Martin and Constance, and Tara is 13 today. So there you go. And thinks I'm very funny. I know. Funny all by myself. I don't need a little posse around me, you know, to sort of massage the ego and sort of, you know, sort of brown nose. I don't need any of that kind of stuff. We do it all by ourselves, and then people talk about us, and we love it. Because we do it again tomorrow, same time, 5 o'clock, podcast. Thank you very much indeed. Look forward to your company uh, then. And if you go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk. We can all be part of the big LBC family. OK, should have uh, Nick Ferrari, also without a posse, will be here after the news at seven o'clock this morning with a team and lots to talk about. Before that, it's the business update with Sam Pittis. Thank you, Steve. The FTSE will open.